It's the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 Minutes podcast. Back once again, I'm John Arnold, joined by a lovely panel today in Brooklyn, New York. It's Noah Davis. What's up, Noah? Not much, John. How you doing? I'm good, man. <laughs> no snark? No snark. All right. And out west, it's Kaylin Murray from Fox Sports. Kaylin, how are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. Appreciate you guys both joining. If you've never listened to the show before, we've got three categories. Those categories reveal a prompt. You guys debate those prompts back and forth. The panelists, you, the listener, can join in too. We just can't hear you. And then uh, we wrap it up in about 10 or 15 minutes because you've got other things to do. Today's categories are Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, and Mallory Pugh. Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, Mallory Pugh. Caitlin, we're going to you first as the newcomer. Oh, wait, of course, these are all women's, U.S. women's soccer players. Caitlin, we're going to you first. What's it going to be? Uh, let's go with Carly Lloyd. <laughs> Carly Lloyd is the reigning world player of the year and started every game of the tournament for the United States, the tournament that she believes cup, in which the United States was thoroughly beaten by France in the final game 3-0, combined with a 1-0 loss to England in the second game they finished fourth, read last, in the group. Kaylin, what went wrong for Jill side and what must she change to make sure this team can see off top challengers going forward? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a good tournament. They came in last place, so that's not good. Uh, they had their worst loss in like a decade against France, so... Um, it wasn't a good tournament, but I mean, that's the point of this tournament is they were experimenting. They tried a three-back formation. Um, they've been using it since uh, the Olympics, but they've never tested it against difficult teams. Um, so really, I think this tournament, they were supposed to not be perfect. Uh, I think Jill Ellis needs to look at that three-back formation and think about the Snell that she was using. I mean, Allie Long is a midfielder and she had her in that three back. Um, I think that she used a lot of players in new positions. Mallory Pugh was used as a striker. Um, so, you know, I, I think she has some questions about what personnel she should be using and um, how to make that work if she's committed to that new formation. No experimentation in the She Believes Cup. Do you think it's a sign that U.S. fans might be a little concerned going forward? Should they be concerned, or is this just, you know, it was we were tweaking some things and it didn't go right? Uh, I, I think American soccer fans in general sort of freak out over a couple bad results. Uh, this is essentially, you know, it's essentially a series of friendlies. I mean, it's yeah. a tournament, but it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, it's, you know, I think this is the, just the second edition. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with Caitlin. I think if you're going to experiment, and I think that, you should experiment. This is a really good time to do it. Uh, there were a lot of players playing out of position, which I thought was interesting and a little confusing. And, and having gone through the Jurgen Klinsmann reign, where it seemed like that was one of the major things he did wrong, uh, I certainly think that's maybe something to be concerned about going forward if it continues. Um, but, you know, if Jill Ellis is just throwing some players out there and, and seeing if stuff sticks, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, it was a little distressing to see them, you know, not really. I think they scored one goal over the three games and, and didn't really look dangerous. Uh, I think the goalkeeping situation is certainly up in the air. Um, I, I also, you know, it's so it's interesting to me that there's just sort of this assumption that the U.S. should be the best team in the world, uh, and I, I just don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, I think they they should be, you know, one of the best, but certainly other countries have caught up and have much better soccer producing um you know traditions sure, on sure. the men's side but so but, but i mean when you look at that isn't the expectation i would say you know you look at any top country on the men's side even co countries that aren't top like mexico 
which I love and cover, but like is not one of the best countries, never won a World Cup. Like the demand is be the best. Shouldn't the US fans hold their team that has had success to the same standard, Noah? Sure, but I think I don't know. I, I think there's just sort of this assumption that the U.S. is one of the best teams in the world, or the best team in the world, and and I don't know. I don't know if, if that's a reality. And maybe Caitlin could speak to that more. But it, you know, there. I mean, that that France team is great. If that France team gets their squad together and gets their heads together, I mean, they're very good. They're very skilled individually. Caitlin, should we keep think, expecting the U.S. to be the top team? Yeah, I think a lot of people did latch on to that three back and how they got exposed uh, by France's pressure and pace. But I think another thing that France really showed was they had such good kind of crisp passing and ball movement up the field. And the U.S. really struggled to connect their passes, maintain possession. The U.S. usually plays a pretty direct style and they're trying to get out of that. But I think that game last night showed that they're not quite ready to do that. So that, I think, is the bigger concern. I am ready to move on to the next category. Noah, is it going to be Megan Rapino or Mallory Pugh? Uh, Mallory Pugh. No, this is a U-20 dynamo for the women's side. But on the men's side, the U.S. U-20s are champions of CONCACAF, the first time ever at that age level. How important is winning youth titles? Does it kind of signal that development is on the right course? And which players are you looking forward to seeing at the U.S. Or excuse me, at the FIFA U-20 World Cup? Um, man, there's so many questions in there, John. That's, I mean, you that's know, a just, lot. Just talk about the U20s. Just, you know, you just can't keep, keep talking. It um, I don't think it really matters that they won. I think it's great that they did. Uh, obviously, the most important thing is that they qualified for the World Cup, which definitely looked dicey after that first game. Yeah. Um, you know, it was good to see that team come together and, and win a couple games. Uh, it was three in a row after after they lost, and um, you know, gets stronger as the tournament went on. Um, the U20 is, you know, especially the CONCACAF championships, is sort of a ridiculous tournament. It's You look at the U.S. and probably, you know, three or four of their best under-20 players weren't there, um, which is good because they're playing big roles with their clubs, and uh, that's a good thing to have. But, you know, the U20 tournament, uh, you know, uh, even the World Cup, I think there's certainly some talent there, but there's not, um, you know, not, not the best players in the world. I think it would be great, uh, you know, if... Carter Vickers played if Pulisic played um, at the actual tournament, and we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, if, if they do, I think the U.S. you know stands a real chance. That's maybe that's probably the best U twenty team that we've ever had. So I think that would be really fun to see. Caitlin Noah says, "Eh, doesn't really matter." What do you think uh, about the uh, U.S. Concacaf triumph on the U twenty level? Uh, I tend to agree that the result doesn't really matter, but I think the fact that they did this and they qualified for the World Cup is really important for their development. Um, you know, you look at how uh, the U23 team hasn't qualified for the last two Olympics, and I think that does set those players back. I mean, learning how to win international tournaments is, you know, something that uh, I think comes with these sorts of uh, youth events. Um so, yeah, I don't think the result matters, but I think it's good that we saw some players step up. You know, the best players weren't there. There was no Pulisic or um, Carter Vickers, but, you know, seeing players like Brooks Lennon, Eric Palmer Brown, they had really good tournaments, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a good sign for the future. I asked Oscar Pereja about this yesterday, the FC Dallas coach, just because I was chatting with Coy Kraft, who uh, was on the team, came off the bench in every game, uh, forward prospect. 
And I was in, I was interested because he said something that you sort of mentioned, Caitlin, which is that he, for him it was important that these players sort of learn that you can win tournaments and that you should go for the trophy. And he was like, that might be like something that, yeah, we like say, but like until you do it, you don't get it. And of course he would know. So I thought that was interesting. Moving on to our last category. Good name shot. No, I'm just saying, like, I think it was saying something similar to what Caitlin was saying that I didn't, didn't really occur to me that, like, well, because anytime you start a tournament, of course you want to win it, which is, like, I don't know, it just seems basic, but, like, Pereja said, this is important to, like, teach your kids you can win things and, like, have them get the trophy, so, I don't know, I agree with you, the result wasn't that big of a deal, they needed to just finish top four, but they win the thing, and maybe, you know, maybe that teaches them how to win, I don't know. That's what Oscar Pereja believes, man. Last one is Megan Rapino. The USSF announced this weekend that players must be standing for the national anthem. You can tee off on the situation if you want to, but I really want to know what you think the Federation's uh, motivation was and what you think the potential gain or you know possible loss. Like, why did the Federation do this? Caitlin, your thoughts? Honestly, I think they just don't want to deal with the controversy. So I think if they put it in a policy, there's not really a debate because... When Megan Rapino first started doing that, everyone asked Jill Ellis for comment. They're asking Sunil Gulati. And, you know, they said there was an expectation. They stopped short of saying that it's a requirement and they're going to punish her. And I think it was kind of a weird gray area for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they want to just get that policy out there so they don't have to deal with it. And I think, you know, we can look at all of the Hope Solo things and, you know, that was a difficult situation for the Federation. I think they saw passing this policy about the anthem as a way to just kind of, um, you know, put it to a rest. And Megan Rapino has come out and said that she will adhere to the policy. So it's probably over, hopefully. So you stop talking about it. <laughs> no, I'm going to yeah. make you keep, keep talking about it. <laughs> I love talking about it. Yeah, I, I agree with Caitlin that I think the intention was to get everyone to stop talking about it. What I don't understand is that it made people talk about it more. Right. This you know, was I a think, time when you didn't if, really need to bring it up, which is why I was like, why did this happen? Yeah, now? exactly. I, I think that, you know, when Rapino kneeled the first time, it was a big deal, understandably. I think if she continued to do it when she comes back, I don't think anyone would have really talked about it. And by doing this, by enacting this policy, which also seems relatively toothless. I mean, there's no right. set penalties. No it's just yeah. sort of, you just kind of, it's like, you kind of half-assed, I don't, I don't need, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. It, it seems like you made a, a much bigger PR deal out of it than it would have. I think it would have just naturally sort of gone away on its own. Yeah. And now you've really set up, you've really set it up so that if someone does this, then you have to deal with it in a much bigger way. And then it's actually a much bigger deal if someone, you know, if someone comes out and kneels, whether it's Rapino, I mean, Rapino has said she was, she won't, but you know, maybe someone else on the women's team or someone else on the men's team or, or somebody, you know, if someone does that, then they're actively going against this policy, which you have. And I, and I think, you know, I, I see Caitlin's point of kind of, it was even weirder before where you had this kind of informal policy of like, we'd like you to do it, but you know, whatever. Uh, and now you, but now you have a formal policy that isn't really even a, a policy. I don't know. It, it doesn't make any I sense. I think you make a good point. We, we all, understand how media works being that we are all in the media and like yeah of course the first time something happens it's news right but the you know new isn't the word news and as soon as something stops being a novelty or or you know i'm not saying it's not relevant if a player continues to put a protest out because i think it is still relevant but even with the kaepernick thing i mean he was starting games at the end of the season and it was more like 
man, the Niners are really bad at football. Also, this guy's still kneeling, but really the Niners are bad. And they were. They were bad. Guys, uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, good stopping point, I think. Thanks so much for joining Caitlin and Noah. Thanks so much to you, listener, for joining the American Soccer Now in 10 or 15 Minutes podcast. We'll be back next week with a special feature. We'll see. Maybe it'll be the same old stuff. Who knows? You'll have to tune in to find out. We hope you do. Until then, take care.